Hey, welcome to Black Up Lips. Today we've got a very interesting guest. Let me see if I can make her visible. Yes, there you are. Hey, Felicia, how's it going? Good, how are you? I'm so happy to have you here. The womanist, the womanist. You know, I've been following <laughs> the you on only Twitter. One. Yeah, wow. Well, <laughs> we're going to see. I've been following you on Twitter for a while. And oh, I, love what, I love what you post. I'm always like, yo, this woman's serious, man, standing behind the cause. So I said, I gotta get I gotta write you, gotta reach out, see if you come on a podcast and come and have a chat with us. We're Black Opalypse. And I'll give you a quick lowdown on what we're about, why I started this podcast, uh, because I feel like there's not enough black um, outlet. It's not solely for black people, because I don't want it to be a bit, you know, ultra, you know, but it's meant to be to give an opportunity for a lot more black people to come onto a platform and tell their story, you know, because there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of the other races, media's, they're, you know, abundant, but we seem to have nothing. So I thought I'd start this, we're, we're growing, um, and I hope that in the future it'll be one of the main players in the in the game. So I need people like you, obviously, to come on and tell you tell us your story, and especially because you're fighting the cause for the women of color, which I love. Yeah. yeah. So well, before we get into that, tell me a little bit about yourself, um, Felicia. That'd be cool. So I started. A Facebook group back in 2016. So right after Donald Trump was elected, I started Real Talk. So that I started it for that reason, because, you know, I think all of us were in shock after that election, you know, and pretty devastated. And a lot of us were just really hurt that this is what white people gave us, Donald Trump. And there really wasn't a safe space for us to, as women of color, to even have discussions about race and, you know, about being women of color and what that really entailed. Um, So I wanted to start a group that, first of all, was a safe space for us to talk. But also, I really felt that because the majority of white women voted for Donald Trump, they really needed to be held accountable for that. So my way of holding them accountable was to say, I want you to join this group and I want you to start learning about what it means to be an ally. So that means that you have to recognize and fight your own racism and you have to go out and teach other people. So I've been doing that group for a long time and it's there, it's a lot of hard work. It's really rewarding. I love it. Um, and it's, you know, we're growing and we're doing a lot of training. So it's really exciting. Yep. Um, and I just got a book deal, which I'm super excited about. Just got yep. a book deal that I'll be, um, I'm working on right now. It's going to be released hopefully in about a year. And it is a white allies handbook so <laughs> that white people know how to be real allies to black women. So I'm working yep. on that. I'm really excited about it. You'll see a lot about it in Twitter. I, I tweet about it all the time. So yep. that's what I'm doing. And I'm also an educator. My, my job, my paying job is an educator. Are you like a teacher or? I'm a librarian. Oh, wow. Well, even better. <laughs> even better. We need more librarian, librarians in the community. I can't even say the word anymore. You know, uh, I'm so busy learning all these different languages. So I've actually started to unlearn English <laughs> and learn another language. You know, it's, 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 if it's a librarian. I'm going to try and fix that up. Okay. So we'll talk a little bit about your book later. Of course, it's very interesting that. But uh, we'll start off with... Um, Tell us a little bit about the womanist title that you have. What does it so, mean? You know, so womanist, no, you hear, everyone hears feminist. Feminist, yes. And the, right. problem, the problem with a lot of times when you hear the word feminist, first of all, it's really mainly white women that call mm. themselves feminist. And they really look at it through a white lens. They're not really thinking about feminism related to other women other than white women, other than straight white women, you know, other than non-men. I mean, we have to put every community into the title of feminist. And so I call myself a womanist, and that is a term that Alice Walker actually coined. Um, And what it means is that I'm recognizing that feminism has to be intersectional. So I have to, I choose to recognize that 
every intersection, whether it's, you know, socioeconomic, race, gender, you know, any inequalities, all of that has to be factored into the definition and the fight. And it's very lacking in, in white feminism, which is what, you know, I call it. feminism is white feminism. It really is. Um, so I say womanist because I really want to make sure that people understand that my fight is for all women. Yeah. You know, I actually wonder, um, didn't the feminist movement, was, it was actually started by African-American women, wasn't it? And it was hijacked, I believe. Yeah, the, the feminist movement was definitely something that, you know, was started with an idea from us. I mean, mm-hmm. but we're not really the players that are known, you know, like. it's, it's um, Gloria Steinem and people like that. But mm-hmm. um, Gloria Steinem herself, and she is really the face of feminism. She yeah. herself said that there would never have been a movement without Black women. She says wow. it multiple times. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I, we are the ones who really put our lives on the line so that women could have rights. And yet, even in that movement, you know, we were overlooked, we were marginalized, you know, we were definitely pushed to the sidelines a lot of times and white women got their rights first. We trailed much later and that had, that's still continuing. Yeah, it's actually right. a, a pretty sad thing actually, because when I look what you know, black women suffer in all like corners of the globe. Like when you look at advertising, they're never a part of that. Um, they're never recognized for anything they do. And it's, it's really sad. So we need more people to like you, obviously to, to bring this to the forefront and show everybody else that actually black w- women have a major role, especially in the family. I think like I was raised with just my mom and then I had like five sisters and I saw how strong especially okay women of color but black women are or can be because they have to be you know there's no choice they they may have been stolen away from the community in a lot of places obviously I'm I'm raised in England but my dad wasn't around because of his own problems but in America I know a lot of the males go into jail they get stolen from the family or they're told basically um you know if you stay at the home we won't give you any help so it's better for you to leave right yeah so so like when you look at the black woman, she's. We're powerful and we have to be. And, you know, I think that, you know, white society looks at the black family as, you know, um, men who just don't want to be fathers or men who just don't want to be part of their families. And that is not necessarily true because if we're looking generationally at what happened, you know, when we were, when our ancestors were slaves, what happened? We were sold off. Families were sold off. And so I think the foundation of family was just taken from us and we're still really trying very hard to get it back. So there's, you know, there's a lot of reasons why black families are broken up you know, my dad was not really around either. So I completely get that. Um, And my mom had to do a lot of things. She had to do everything. Um, And I have most, a lot of my friends that are black women are single mothers, but a lot of them are not too. A lot of them definitely have a nuclear family. Um, So I think there's a lot of work to be done, but I also think that one of the reasons that it's still so hard for us is because we are under this cloud of systemic racism. And so everything that we try to accomplish, there is that push against us getting fair treatment and equality. And if we address that, that's really gonna help future generations that are having the same struggles with the nuclear family and with raising children and with you know, being in a successful relationship and going to college and all those things that white people just don't have to stress about as much as we do. Actually, I was looking at one of your tweets about, um, let's see if I can recollect it. Um, you were say, saying basically, white people will always, like if they say something racist, then they'll try and turn it and say, actually, you're always being racist because we have this problem too. And I just had this situation actually, where a guy tried to compare racism with me because he's a, okay, I live in Germany. So he's a German guy, but he's from the East part of Germany. I don't know if you know a bit of the story, but basically people from the East were set free after the war fell in Berlin. Uh, so, but, and when they started, you know, coming back over to the West, a lot of the Westerns weren't happy. They were like, yeah, you Eastern guys. And you, so they, you know, consider that racism. But I was like, look, first of all, you've only had it for about 10, 15 years since the war fell. And then- right. 
And then if a race will ever broke out, you'd see how quickly you'd be absorbed into the West. And right. I'll be standing right. there on the opposite side. Still like, I thought you was with me, but really you're not. So there's, um, I was reading that on your tweets and that reminded me of that, <laughs> that I went through just a couple of days ago. Yeah, I just tweeted that today and I got a lot of um, white people who I think are really trying to be allies who basically said, oh, I've said that or mm -hmm. I've heard it, you know, that as soon as we talk about white privilege and white supremacy and racism, white people want to say, well, my life was hard too. So I, I did not benefit from white privilege. Mm -hmm. And part of it is that they don't understand what it means, but part of it is they don't want to understand. I you know, so we have to really push back on this idea that white people are somehow just unknowing of what they do. They know, they know what they do. They just choose to downplay it and they choose to ignore it. And we have to call them out. And that's a lot of, you know, the work that I do. And also one of the reasons I tweet out a lot of things to white people is just to get them to think. Think about the ramifications of what you do and what you say and what you don't say yeah. to, you know, for us, for Black people, for people of color. You know, we're the ones suffering when you decide to perpetuate racism or to ignore it. Yeah, yeah definitely. Have you read that book, um, Why I'm Not Gonna Discuss Race with a White Person? That's not the right title. Yeah, yeah there's right. a, yes, there are a <laughs> lot of those books out now. Um, yeah, and, you know, I am of the opinion that, you know, I choose to educate white people. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't do it 24 seven because really mentally I just couldn't do it. I, yeah. I couldn't because they, they just do horrible and say horrible stuff. So I don't do it all the time, but um, I tell white people on a regular basis, don't, don't expect people of color, black women to educate you. That's not our job. You're not asking, you're asking us to give us, to give you free labor that is really painful. Like, I don't want to talk to you about my experiences with racism, but they're painful, you know? And I don't know how you're going to respond to me. You probably won't even believe me. And that's another problem. You're gonna say, well, did it really happen that way? Are you sure? Yeah. Maybe you're overreacting, yeah, yeah. you know? So I tell them, if, you're go if you expect an education from a black woman, First of all, there are plenty of us who are doing this work with workshops and classes and things that you need to pay to attend. So you pay for that labor. Don't expect it for free. That's offensive to think that it's such a unimportant education that it, it's not worthy of, of money or time or yeah. effort or anything. You know, that's that's not what this work is. It is valuable. And they have to start realizing that. I actually think they should introduce these classes into school. I think the stuff, like when I look at the school system, I think to myself, they don't teach anybody anything properly. You know, I learned about um, emotional intelligence. That's something that should be taught in school, but they don't teach people emotional intelligence. They just teach people, look, go and press this button, uh, one at one and some stupid pointless letters and you'll be good. But the real stuff where you can go and get along with each other and people and, you know, figure out this, this, this existence together. Nah, we don't want to know that. We're just going to make sure you make some money. Some of you make money, which is massively in favor of white people anyway. When you look at, you know, right. I always say, when you look at the brown countries, it's poor. The more lighter it goes, it gets richer and richer. Right, you know? right. So, but like, I'm not going to say... Sorry, I'm, um, I'm not going to discredit and say all white people have it hard, um, easy because there is some places where people are white and they have it poor. But, you know, we're talking about the countries that have at the moment. And not, but we're in the countries that have like America, Germany, England, you know, carry on. But even, the, but even the people who are white and are coming from poor countries, they could come here and no one would ever know that. They don't have brown or black skin. They would just think, oh, this is a white person. Yeah. Are you're already going to have that privilege from the time you step off that plane. No one's going to mm. know your background. Mm. You know, with us, they assume our backgrounds. Yeah. So, you know, you can be multi-degreed and still be pulled over by the police and beaten and killed and what have you, you know, so that privilege is always, always going to be there, yeah. you know, and as far as, you know, education in this country and, and perhaps in, in England too, probably in England too, you know, it's a very white focused yeah, curriculum. Sure. No, you know, no history. So, 
yeah, yeah, there's no history for black people. No. I mean, I learned the smallest amount about slavery you can imagine. Like no. it was the tiniest part of my education. You know, I didn't know anything about um, the history of, of prominent black people. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't know a lot about the civil rights movement. I knew what it was. I knew about Dr. King, but I didn't know about any of the other people. Yeah. I didn't know about the children involved. No one taught me until I was older or I taught myself, yeah. you know, and you think about why is that? Why is that history, which is a huge part of this country and the reason why we have so many problems because that racism has gone through every generation up to present time, why is it that that history is not taught? And like you were saying, along with that, people, children need to understand what it means in this country to be white mm -hmm. and what it means to be black and what it means to be brown and the challenges that we face and why it's so unfair that you can be born in this country with black or brown skin and already have three strikes against you for the rest of your life. Do you think um, there's an element of shame is why they don't teach us? Because like, if you think about it, some of the stuff, like some stuff I didn't know before, like they used to feed our babies to the to the crocodiles and hang the people yes. up. And, and weekends, it was a weekend thing, just hanging people up. And I could right. imagine, it's the same with the Germans. The Germans, like, they're so ashamed of the war and what happened, they tend to not want to talk about it. But it, but it happened, you know? And, and the worst thing is we never got paid. We never got no, you know... Uh, what do they call it? Um, ADOS Re uh, reparations. 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 We never got no yes. reparations. No one gave us some money or no casinos or, or no good jobs or a bank or an insurance firm. They just were like, right. what, you guys, uh, we'll give you a prison. They gave us a prison, puts in it. That's Same it. Same here. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. And yeah as, as for, sorry, as for history in England, because I was raised in England and then I moved to Germany, I'm trying to get to, I know. I'm sorry, I'm so <laughs> talking to a woman of colour. I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to go to these countries. I really want to be in Africa <laughs> or Brazil. I'm trying my best, I swear. As soon as I get the chance to be in Africa or Brazil, I'm gone, I'm done. Yeah, I hear you, I hear you. It's, yeah, I, I think it's, it's very frustrating to listen to the experiences of black people and indigenous people in my country so downplayed like you know well that was generations ago you should be fine now you were never a slave you were never on a yeah. reservation reservations still exist by the way so yeah. there are still people on reservations here um but you know just to downplay that every generation is affected by what happened you know hundreds of years ago and it's it's infuriating to me that, yeah, that's not taught. We don't learn about it. And also, you know, we're, we're not hearing about the effects of that to the extent that anything's being done about it. It's just like, oh, well, you know, yeah, there's definitely racism, but we still think you can just work hard and then you'll be okay. And that's not, that's not what's happening. It's not what happens. It's, that's not what's going to happen. Things have to change. The hard work part, we do that. We yeah. are hard workers. That's true. We never recognize them. Never, never recognize us though. They'll say you guys are lazy, you don't yeah. you never sit on the porch all day, you don't get jobs. I don't know, especially <laughs> in Europe. So I can always speak about Europe. I don't know, don't know what it's like in America. And I'm sure you got a Sounds bit, similar. <laughs> I'm pretty, I, well, I'm sure you've got problems like I don't know what the ghettos are like, but I'm sure you got problems there. Just like but right. then again, you can say the same thing for the European equivalent. There's there's people here who don't work and they just go and chill. I've worked since I was since I was, since I was able to work, I've worked, you know. So, um, yeah, they, they never give us the credit for that, for being hardworking and, and really putting our weight. I think it's just because we have a different, I think it's our culture just can't accept that we're, we're cool, you know? We're just cool. <laughs> you know, that's, look at our hair, look, look at us. <laughs> That's it. They still, they still are cool though. They do. They, they want to look, they want to be us, but they yeah. just don't want to be us. They want to be us, but not really be us. Yeah. 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 No, That's no. It. I have jokingly always say that it would, you know, I could, a white person could be black for like about 10 minutes and they would just, you know, start shrieking and, you know, running for the door because they really don't understand what it's like to face oppression every day. Yeah. absolutely every day and yeah. to be marginalized every day and to 
have the things said to you by people like them. You know, I, you know, people, when I tell people that, you know, yes, I have a couple of college degrees. They're like, oh, really? Mm. They're just so shocked mm. that I went to college. Yes. College. Yeah. And it's like, Not oh, prison. Yeah. Was it in prison? I haven't been in prison. It- yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's like, okay. And, you know, I tell people some of the, you know, the smartest people that I know are Black people. Yeah, sure. Yeah, the smartest people that I know. We are, we are hardworking. We've had to work twice as hard our entire lives. Of course, yeah. we're hardworking. Of course, we're smart. You know, we're adaptable. We have to be. Yeah. Yeah. Have to be, you know, and we're very, very protective of each other, mm-hmm. which is great. You know, we will fight for each other. We stand up for each other. You know, one thing that I, I say a lot to white women is, you know, I say, why is it that you have no idea what a sisterhood means? Because none of you support each other the way that Black women support each other, you know. And with them, it's a big competition to see, you know, who can, I guess, um, I don't know, marry the best or, or you know, make the most money. It's, it's just a huge competition with them. And with us, it's like we are, we know how much we have against us and we know how much we have, we have to fight for equality. Yeah. So of course, black people are like, you know, yes, we are in this together. We got to help each other. And I tell white people, you know, you all do, white men do that though. White women don't do that. White men do that a lot. They, they are very good at helping each other up because they want to keep the status quo. Yeah. That's the way of getting us to stay exactly where we are. White women, not so much. White men have it down to a science, you know. Okay, what are the issues facing the women of color? What are are the issues? What are the main issues? (sighs) Oh my gosh, so, so many. Um, (laughs) Just give us like the the short version. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, it's, when we say women of color, it's it's hard to answer because we face different things. That's true, yeah. So if we're talking about Black women or Indigenous women or, you know, the w- women in our country that are really the most affected by oppression and racism, racism and marginalization, you know, it's um, for, for, for example, for black women and for brown women, it's getting up into executive levels of organizations. You know, mm-hmm. you don't see us as executives of corporations because we cannot break that ceiling most of the time. Yeah. You know, you don't see us in. Um, interestingly enough, if you if you talk about if you think about education, you know, most teachers are women, most principals are men. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Yeah. You know, there's there's something going on there. Why is that? Mm-hmm. You know. Um, a lot of it is a lot of things that we face, you know, are because there's still the idea that women are weaker. We're more emotional. You know, we, we really can't handle a lot of pressure, which is hilarious because we handle a lot of pressure, you know? So we definitely face the idea that we are the weaker sex, which, you know, I am like, we are in no way the weaker sex. No, no, definitely not. That's not what's happening. Not what's happening here. You know, so, you know, we're facing the, the impression of just being looked at as just as capable as a man, Mm -hmm. you know, we're still facing that, you know, we're still facing getting paid equally to men. And this is 2021. We're still trying to get equal pay, which is crazy. It's absolutely crazy. You know, and when you're talking about voting rights, you know, that's affecting, you know, a lot of black people in this country. Um, And I think you know, it's probably disproportionately black women um, because a lot of the places that, especially in Georgia, a lot of the places that are marginalizing these communities and taking away polling places, you know, these are older people. A lot of them are older black women who are trying to be able to vote, you know, so we're fighting, we're we're still trying to get the Voting Rights Act passed. John Lewis's Voting Rights Act, we're still trying to get that passed, 2021. I, I am absolutely horrified that we still don't have something in place to protect our rights to vote. I'm not familiar with the John Lewis um, Act. I don't know what it is. So John Lewis, who, you know, he passed away recently. You know who that is though, right? John Lewis? 
I just know he's got a lot. Of, there's a guy called John Lewis in England. He's got a load of buildings. <laughs> I thought it's the same guy. <laughs> John, no, not the same guy. So John Lewis um, in our country is a civil rights icon. He okay. marched with Dr. King, you know, but he was also a politician for many years. He recently passed away and he had um, basically had the, the Voting Rights Act, which was in place just to ensure that we have the proper protections to be able to vote. And right. we are still trying to get that passed. Um, and right now it's being discussed. It's still not passed. I'm really hopeful that President Biden will get it passed. Mm -hmm. um, but we'll see, you know, but I, I, I'm just amazed that we are in the year 2021 and this is what we still face you know yeah. as as black women as people of color as black people that we're still fighting for the rights that white people don't even think about they automatically know they have them we don't have that luxury i had to put the voting stations like so far away that you'd have to travel like on three different bus buses to get there and by the time you get mm -hmm. there it's closed right Right. Uh, that's, that's... That, yeah, this, this last election, Georgia was interesting because so, you know, Georgia's in the South and, you know, it's, Georgia has for many, many, well, forever really was what we call a red state. It was a definitely a Republican conservative stronghold and it's changing. So now mm -hmm. it's becoming more what we call like a purple state. So it's definitely not a Republican stronghold anymore. Donald Trump lost it in this election. Joe, uh, Biden actually won. And then we picked up two more Democratic seats in the Senate, which was huge. Um, and because they had been Republican. Um, so the answer to that for Republicans is to try to pass legislation in Georgia so that it, it's really preventing Black people from getting from, to the polls. So they're already trying to pass legislation, close polling places, close, so the drop off mailboxes, remove those. You know, it's already happening because in 2022, they want those seats back. You know, so it's, it's already happening. And the fact that there are white Republicans in this country that are saying they don't see a problem with, with the voting in this country or in Georgia, we, they think it's fine, you know? And we're just, it's so blatantly clear that they're going to cheat to get these seats so we're gonna see what's what's gonna happen i mean georgia georgia did it this past election they were amazing so i'm hoping that they're prepared because if republicans can cheat and get those seats back they will they will okay cool okay what are your goals then what is the women of color first of all actually who is included in the women of color would you include us really some some identities uh, chinese no any anybody who's not white Anybody who's not white is considered a woman of color. It's just that we, you know, there's different privilege levels, even within women of color. So, you know, you're talking about, there's just different types of oppression and privilege. Um, if you're someone who's Asian, you have kind of this model minority thing going on. So people assume things about you, like maybe you're good at math and things like that, which is not necessarily even true, but it's better than what we get which is, you know, in my case, I don't know, welfare, 10 kids. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so different, it's just, it's very different. So yes, it's still um, discrimination. It's just a, a very, very different level of it. So yeah, women of color um, are going to be anybody that's not white. And we do talk in my group a lot about, you know, the different types of discrimination depending on where you land. Mm -hmm. So, cause we have every, every representation of a woman of color in my group like we run the gamut of pretty much everybody yeah because i always feel like with um asian people like you know obviously the ones who've come over to set up in in america or the west uh they seem to go to the radio radar a lot so no one seems to pick on them every now and again but they you know they're equally as hard working i'm not going to take them that away from they them. work really hard they we do. are hard working too but we still in the crosshairs you know what i mean we're still there like we, the Asian people are all right, but we're still going to watch you. <laughs> right, right, right. And it's because, you know, we have that history that white people still believe. They still believe that, you know, we are somehow inferior mm -hmm. and that, you know, we are not equal to them. And we are not able to succeed on their level. And so that affects 
everything. It affects policy. It affects, you know, education. I mean, it just, it has a negative effect on everything. That's why I say that when you're talking about people of color, you know, that's not something that someone who came to my country from China would experience. They don't have the history of slavery and oppression. You know, they're not indigenous. They were not, their, their family was not or is not on a reservation, you know, so it's, it's just much different. So, you know, I can talk about women of color, but I always have to say, it's just going to be a different experience depending on who you are. Yeah. I also feel like the system's built that way, to be fair, it's built to keep us kind of down. Um, right. Right. I think that's something called redlining. You know about redlining? redlining yes. Yeah. That, that, yeah. So they wouldn't Which offer us, yeah, yeah, they wouldn't offer us certain stuff. So even if we try to come up to get on their level, like we want to open a bank, <laughs> you can imagine the resistance. <laughs> really, like, this guy right. open a bank, you know? Right. Uh, but but I also think with the Asians, they tend to have a lot of people sponsoring them from their home country. I'm sure mm-hmm. they're coming yes. across with wealth. So when they come, mm-hmm. they've got a little bit of money to start off. So they're set, set on the right foot. Where with us, you know, ain't nobody in Africa sending us. No. <laughs> a shilling they said those are shillings man <laughs> and we don't even know who they are we don't yeah. know who those ancestors are exactly we have no idea who they are yeah. you know we don't we don't know where we come from really in africa we have no idea you know mm-hmm. and you know as far as um generational wealth we don't have that no. and partly because we don't know our ancestry and partly it's because there are systems and place that are just preventing us from allow from being able to get generational wealth you know generational wealth is um, a lot of times it's buying a house and passing down that house to generations or buying a house 50 years ago and cashing it out giving that money to your kids Mm -hmm. you know I mean we just we just aren't um, getting access to those things and it's not because we're not trying it's because we can go to a bank and a white person go to a bank and they can get a loan and we either can't get one or we get one that's predatory. We get one that the rate is so high and so terrible, we're gonna default on that loan. And then the issue of having bad credit happens. So that affects everything, you know? So, and then, you know, with redlining, it means that we are gonna be segregated still into neighborhoods that have, you know, not as good as schools, you know, neighborhoods that the real estate prices are, are not as good. You know, um, I just read an article recently, and it's, it's, it's happened a couple of times, but there was another article that talked about um, a real estate agent saying, if you are a black person and you are trying to sell your home, take everything off your walls that says you're black, because sometimes what happens, I think a lot of times what happens is that when your home is appraised, it's appraised lower because you're a black person. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's happened multiple times. So where in that is it fair? Why is your house um, appraising lower because you're a black person living in it? What does it have to do with it? But that's been happening. Yeah. So you can't pass down generational wealth if you can't achieve it equally. Yeah. It's not going to happen. We keep right. just keeping us under the threshold all the time. And now what I see happening is they're pricing everybody out. So obviously the people who've got the money have got the money now. If you had money back 50 years ago, you've got money now. If you're born today and you don't have money, well, you better hope you right. become a footballer or a boxer or get or win the lottery or something because you're going to be staying broke for the rest of your life. So people right. are like, it's all set up now. The game's set. Who's got money's got money. Who hasn't got money? And every now and again, someone will skip sides, but you're either doomed to be poor forever or right. you're doomed to be wealthy. And you see it going right. into smaller and less and less hands. You know, it's uh, terrible. Okay. Yeah, I mean... With, I mean, yeah, with, with generational wealth and with being able to pass it down, you know, the families in my country that have it have had it for, you know, since slavery. They've passed down that same money all those generations. So what were we doing? We were picking cotton then, so we didn't have any money. And then when slavery was over, we still couldn't do anything because Jim Crow laws. So we couldn't, we couldn't buy anything. We didn't have, we weren't getting paid enough to, to barely feed our families, you know, and then you go past that to, you know, the eighties, nineties to the thousands where we, we may be able to buy a house, but then they get us in these loans where we default, you know, so. Yeah, it's rigged. Okay. So I know you touched a little bit on the feminist movement, but are there any parallels between your movement and this feminist movement? Do you take any ideologies from them or how does it work? 
Yeah, sure. We sure we're still going to take ideologies from them because you know the movement, the basic idea of it is that women should be equal to men. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean that's that's really the the basis of it. Um, but if you're not factoring in that when you're talking about black women versus white women, my experience in this country is decidedly different and harder than a white woman's. So you can't really call yourself an intersectional feminist if you're not aware and educating yourself about that difference. You know, it's white women, yes, white women are oppressed, but they still have white privilege. And it's hard sometimes for them to, to admit that because oftentimes they'll say, well, you know, being a woman is similar to being a black person and it's really not. And I've heard it multiple times and it's, it's in no way the same. So, you know, so they have to make sure that they understand that if you're talking about real intersectional feminism, you have to factor in every person who, who called themselves a woman. Short talk the trans community. So, you know, you have to factor the trans community and everybody has to be part of that movement. If that's not the case, then in my opinion, you're a white feminist and I don't really have use for that. I'm not interested in that. Um, so you, the struggle has to be for all of us. It can't just be for white women and their white women ideas. That's not gonna work. Yeah, actually I think um, it's time for us to come together as a globe actually and move forward together. Men and women, um, I've never really understood the the wage gap difference I, I just don't understand it why would you choose to pay someone less based on their sexuality or their sex sorry their sex yeah i i feel the same way and the wage gap is huge it is mm. huge you know and it's bigger it's bigger for black women obviously than white women but white women there's a wage gap between them and white men also um and the fact that that is still a problem is highly offensive. You know, if you talk to people who try to excuse it and say, well, it's because women leave the workforce to have children, not all of us, and we're still making less. So next, mm-hmm. next excuse, not everybody yeah. left the workforce to have children, yeah. you know, so, or it's because, you know, oh, somehow we're just not as good at that job as the man is. And it's, uh, no, that's not the case either. Um, and it, it definitely has to be addressed because there is no reason for women to, women to be paid, you know, 30 cents, 40 cents less, you know, an hour, yeah. you know, it's crazy. Than, than men, you know. Okay, so what are your biggest hurdles to reach your goal? What's the biggest hurdles? The biggest hurdles as far as, for women of color or for black women or for, oh, women for, of color? for your movements so of women of color? Women. For my women, for my movement is probably um, education, you know, because there's still an element of white people who just really are in denial about just how bad things are, hmm. just how bad racism is, how bad white supremacy is, you know, even though we had that, you know, we had that Capitol riot on January 6th. Mm-hmm. where a bunch of white supremacists came to our Capitol building and just acted a fool, you know? Um, and to me, they are representative of where this country, the direction that we're going. And we have to educate white people who were not part of that, but who still are sitting on the sidelines and just thinking, well, we got Biden in office now, Trump is gone. Things are automatically going to get better. I don't have to do more than vote, but you do. You know, so the challenge is getting white people to speak up anytime yeah, that they yeah. see racism, anytime you be the ally that you claim to be, you put your body in front of mine when you need to, yeah. you speak up for me, you know, your voice is always going to be more believed than mine. Yeah, that's you know, true. you, you pass the mic. So if you're in a position of power somewhere, you bring me along with you and you pass the mic so I can talk about my experiences and tell my stories, mm-hmm. you know, and that's a challenge because, you know, white people love being comfortable. They don't like to put themselves out. So, you know, we're really trying in my group and also with my book, we're also, we're just really trying to get them to understand that you can be uncomfortable and live. I can experience racism and die from it. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a funny thing you say now because a lot of white people think, as soon as you say to them, you know, what you said or what you've done was 
sort of complicit to racism. You, sh- you kind of involved you being racist because you didn't jump in and help. They automatically think they're bad people, you know, and it's like, look, not all racist people are bad people. The problem is, is you could just say a joke, which is racist, but you don't know that you're being racist, you know? Just because you think, when you're racist, you think of a guy who's got a skinhead or, you know, like a cross on <laughs> there, you know, and they're beating up black people on a daily. It's not, a, that's not it. Racism is the small things, you know, and everyone's complicit to that who doesn't defend and become anti-racist, so to speak. So that's what I think, um, uh, what is one of your biggest hurdles, yeah, what you just said. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, we have to, you know, I don't want to coddle white people. If they want to feel guilty about something, fine, feel guilty about it. But, you know, it's not that I'm trying to make you guilty. It's that I'm trying to make you understand that your racism is keeping me from achieving a lot of things that I would without it. So if you speak up, if you stand up, if you, if you work on yourself, then we're going to be in a much better place. Yeah. I mean, that's really the issue. Yeah, I also think that um, the, the white women, especially, have got the power to pass it to the white men. Because the white, I think the white men are the hardest group to, to infiltrate, if you ask me, when it comes to racism. Because yeah, obviously, me are. being in Europe and in Germany, I've experienced racism from when I was little, from white males, all the way until a couple of days ago in Germany, all across Europe. It doesn't matter where you are. So if you can get the women to pass the message on to them and talk to the men in their ear and say, look, maybe you shouldn't do that, then we'll be on to a start, I think. But definitely get, there's a lot of uh, white women who are really good women too, and they'll, they'll really fight for you and um, get you corner. But it's like you said, these guys who are on the yeah, fence, right. they're the guys you need to get over to our yeah. side and, and fight the case too. Because once right. we become the majority, right. you know, we are <laughs> massively in the minority, but once we become the majority and everyone's Dude. saying it, which is soon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Then, then we'll be when fine. When people of color will be, will be the majority soon. Yeah, we'll be the majority soon. Yeah, yeah. Do you include um, Do you do you include Mexicans into your women of color? Every yes, we have we have has we have Hispanics. I mean, anybody anybody who's not white, mm. you know. And I know and you no, know, there there are definitely people who are non-white who are Trump supporters. I mean, that's just going to be, that's just going to be what it is. There are definitely people in the Latino community who voted for Trump, depending on the county that they lived in in our, in our country, and they overwhelmingly voted for Trump. You know, so it, it's not to say, we can't, we can't assume that every person of color is going to be someone who is, you know, um, pro-equal rights and you know um pro people of other people of color because we within 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 black people we have anti-black black people yeah sure we have people who can't stand black people and they're black yeah. you know so they they exist and they they spread their little message of hate on a regular basis you know mm. so we really just we can't really worry about them, but we have to be aware that within our own communities, we have anti people of color who don't like themselves. And so they don't like us either. And they will hurt you. They will hurt you. Absolutely. Yeah. Just a quick uh, touch on the, um, the black who don't like the black people. I find these people to be anti, they, they actually you know they adopted their slave, their master's identity. So they lost their own identity somewhere along the way there's no way you can be black and not like your own mom and dad and family right you know what i mean right unless you're unless you're cuckoo so (laughs) that's what happened there um (laughs) uh rebuilding the black family what is your opinions on that obviously being with the womanist movement how can we go about rebuilding the black because you see it's a bit it's a little bit in tatters moment we you know we really have to fight systemic racism i mean that's going to be our way in to rebuilding the black family because the one of the reasons that we're just so torn is that there are so many outside oppressors and outside systems that are just making it so difficult for us to stay together as families, you know, and, and, you know, as black people specifically, we are really bad at taking care of ourselves as far as mental health. Yeah, yeah that's we, true. We, we, we absolutely, and we are stressed. We are mm-hmm. a very stressed out people, but we really don't do 
mental health. We don't, we won't go to a counselor. We won't even talk about being depressed, you know? So if we can't address all of that, it's going to be really hard, you know, for us to rebuild, um, as a community, as, as nuclear families, you know, we have to talk about what's going on with us. And we really have to have allies, white allies who are fighting to make sure that those school systems are better and that we have all the opportunities that we deserve because we are Americans and, you know, we should have all the rights that white people do, you know, and then we also have to make sure that there is an avenue for us to actually have these discussions and make these changes. You know, I'm hopeful that things are going to be better. You know, we have a black and South Asian vice president of our country, which I'm amazed. You know, we have Kamala Harris and I'm, I'm amazed that she is the second in command. So, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that there will be some changes because the last four years have taken us, you know, so many steps back from where we were. I mean, we are, this country is struggling. You're just really struggling right now with the pandemic, with everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, um, I think America will be all right though. I feel like they always overcome adversaries, adversaries, Let's see, look at that. That um, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so yeah. The only thing I would say is, see, I'm not really a big Biden fan. I'm not a Trump fan, though. Don't get me wrong. Trump, I like Obama. I like Obama, man. Hey, you should. I got, love Obama. Yeah, I love. Or Obama. you know, would have been good. His wife. His wife should have stepped up and done the next. Yeah, term. but she, she, I think, you know, I'm sure you were paying attention when he was in office, just how badly they were treated. Yes. Yes. You know, well, I mean. So I think she was done after the eight years. I think mm-hmm. she was like, yeah, I'm quite, cause people wanted her to run for something. And she said, no, mm-hmm. he said, no, you know, yeah. I think she would be amazing, but she absolutely says she has zero interest in going into politics. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, she just so doesn't want to. The only, the only thing we could say is we hope that, um, Biden decides in a year, like, you know what, now it's not for me. Let's Camilla. I know, yeah. And, you know, I think the the reason, one of the reasons that I'm actually excited, and he was not my first pick for president, but I'm excited that he's there. Um, we have to remember that probably one of his closest advisors is going to be President Obama. Yeah, yeah. They are such good friends, you know. Mm. So I really think that he is absolutely taking the advice of one of our best presidents, yeah. you know? And I, I really think that he's smart enough to know that he better get input from all these people who have done that job previously, who did it well. Yeah. And Obama did it well. With a lot of roadblocks, they did it well. Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay, um, I've got two more questions. <laughs> first okay. question, the first question is a bit um, controversial. What is your... <laughs> What is your opinion of having the man as the head of the home? It's not controversial. You know, I think that that is a decision that has to be made between that husband and wife. You know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, I grew up with my mom and then my stepdad. Mm. Um, And my stepdad was definitely, you know, the man of the house, but with a lot of input from my mother. Yeah. So, you know, and that seemed to work pretty well. Um, I think it really depends on what that means. So if they're the head of the household, does it mean that their word is always the rule, always the law, because that's not going to (laughs) work. I think if you want a traditional, a a traditional household, then yeah, the man's going to be the head of the house. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, but I do think that with everything going on and with women making such huge strides, that just has to be a conversation that happens between them. And when you factor in children, you know, there are a lot of men that are house husbands now. They're staying yeah. home and taking care of the kids because the wives are now the breadwinners. Yeah. You know, so I think that that's just a, it's a discussion that they really have to have between between themselves. I personally don't have a problem with it as long as there is an open discussion about what that means, yes. you know, because, you know, I don't think that most women want to just be a yes lady. You know, you just want to do everything your husband says and you never have an opinion of your own. I just, I don't think we want to do that, you know, but I, I do know that there are a lot of people who just feel that that's, that's a tradition that they just really value and that they really feel comfortable with. And we definitely a patriarchal society. 
Absolutely. We just are, you know, but then you factor in that our divorce rate's really high. So what do you do with that? (laughs) So lots of single moms, you know, so they're the, they're the head of the household. So, you know, Uh, the second (laughs) week is I see you're quite natural. I love it. What about Usher in the new year? I love it. I love it. I'm sorry. I love it. I love it. Uh, What do you think, is it time that we ushered in a black beauty standard? It's happening. Is it happening? happening. Yeah, I think it's already happening. You know, I, I grew up straightening my hair. My mother was very much like, oh, got to press this hair and got to perm this hair. So, you know, I grew up with all those chemicals. Mm-hmm. You know, I went natural like 20, 25 years ago because I hate the chemicals. Okay. And I went natural at a time that it was not popular. Mm-hmm. Um, had a lot of comments from particularly black men that they did not like my hair. Um, so, you know, that was really hard, but I stuck with it. You know, I think now, there's definitely a natural hair movement and I love your hair. And I, I just think that I love it. It's so pretty. You know, I, I think that we're finally getting to the point where we can embrace every texture, every coil, every kink, all of it, you know, and really understand that we have beautiful, versatile African hair, you know, and I re- I'm hopeful that it's going to keep going because you see now, even on TV, remember on TV, even like 15 years ago, you didn't see any natural hair, none, no, none. No, no. You see a lot of it now. We're mm-hmm. seeing a lot more of it now. Um, so I think that the standard is changing. However, even within the black community, there's still this idea, you know, amongst particularly older black people that if your hair is not kinky, it's so much better than the kinky hair. Yeah, I don't know you what know? that's about. Yeah, I don't either, because I'm like, I don't know about that. But yeah, I grew up with that. So, you know, it's it's changing. And I think it's it's taking people going natural and having whole discussions about what it means, mm-hmm. you know, and how transformational it is. You know, when I went natural, you know, it was it was kind of terrifying. And then it was like, this is so freeing because I'm not so I'm not attached to thinking that my hair has to be straight to be beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful just like it is. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm really, I'm hopeful that little girls coming up now are seeing that they can wear their hair just like it is, mm-hmm. you know, or they can install some locks or they can install some braids and be beautiful and yeah. not think that, oh, my hair is not straight. Yeah. So it's not really pretty. It's not acceptable. Yeah. I think it's also educating white America, white people in general, that, our hair is not less professional because it doesn't look like yours. We don't yeah. want our hair to look like yours. Our hair grows out of our head like this, just like yours does, yeah. you know, and there's some, there's some states in our country that have actually passed laws saying you cannot discriminate against people for their hair because it's been happening so much. Yeah. Um, and the fact that you have to pass a law that says this so hair not. is, is professional. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. It's offensive. I mean, I, I, you know, it's it's changing. I think it's definitely gathering momentum. Mm-hmm. You know, you can now go to natural hair salons that only do hair that's not processed, which is amazing. You know, yeah. that didn't used to happen. You know, you can. I mean, I make a point when I see, particularly a black woman with natural hair. I always say, "Sis, your hair is beautiful. I t- your hair is beautiful." Yeah. I want them to know. I see it. I see what you're doing there. It's beautiful, you know, because we need that. We really need that empowerment. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So I'm all for it. I'm excited about it. I hope it keeps going. I, you know, I, I think, I think that the more we normalize it, the, the prouder we can be of just who we are as people, just as we are as a people with whatever our hair looks like, it's all beautiful. All of it's beautiful. Yeah. And that's why I decided to grow my hair out because I want people to realize my hair is not like yours, but I like my hair. And you're going to like my hair too. I'm forcing people to like my hair. Trust me. How many Because you're not going to change it. Because you're I'm not, not going to change, change it. it. Yeah, you're is, not going to change it. Yeah. Look, look, and don't touch it though, but don't touch it. No, don't no, no, it. not at all. Um, what I was going to say was, um, <laughs> it was, it was Michael Jackson who started this. It was Michael Jackson's fault. <laughs> no. What, look, um, I was going to say, um, I'm trying to think, you said you've got a lot of comments about it from black guys. Trust me, I'm in Germany, man, where they don't know. There's like five black people. That's it. 
I'm like one of the only ones. And and you don't know what comments I get every single day. I still oh. get, I still get, can I touch your hair? Look at that, look at that. I still get that. <laughs> They're backwards here though, man. They're like 30 years in the in the back in the past. Oh my gosh. Mm, really. But it's a nice place. I'm not gonna lie, it's a nice place. I just don't want to be here. So anyway. <laughs> We want to talk about your new book. You're going to tell me a little bit about your book. Yeah, I'm excited. So I just, just got my book deal. um, And it really came out of the work that I do in Real Talk. Um, It is a white allies handbook. Um, It's a four week handbook to help white people become allies to black women. Um, And the reason that I did it is partly out of the urgency after the Trump administration, yeah. <laughs> you know, because it's just, I think that's just caused so much damage and partly, but more so because there's just this history in our country of racism and white people downplaying it mm-hmm. and not really taking responsibility for the part they play in that, whether it's passive or active, it doesn't matter. You're still, you're still a part of it because racism is in every aspect of our society. So as a white person, you know, you're, you're, you're affecting it regardless. Um, I wanted something different than what was already out there. Yeah. So there's already a lot of anti-racism books. People write, people write on it all the time. But what they don't do is they don't provide like hands-on actions, lessons, questions that are really going to make them delve into learning about their own racism, how they perpetuate it, how they can fight it, what it means to be an ally, what it means to support black women, what it means to be uncomfortable and why that's important that you seek out being uncomfortable when you're an ally. You know, so I have um, very actionable things they can do to grow into being an actual ally, you know, and there was really nothing out there like that. And it was something that I just felt like we're missing this. We can't keep telling people, go read this book that's theory about racism, but there's nothing actionable in it. So how do you learn to do it if you don't do it? So that's why I am writing the book. I think it's uh, it's also important because like I said a bit earlier, a lot of white folks don't know what that they're being racist. They don't know what racism is. So you got to explain to them, you know, saying this is racist. Don't yes. say it. <laughs> don't yes. say that. You're not racist. <laughs> Simple right. ABC. So yeah, I think sometimes you need to hold their hands and walk right. through Right. And, and part of it, and, and part of the reason I'm doing it too, the way I'm doing it, um, I'm setting it up that they help each other. Mm. So it's, you know, I tell them throughout the book, you need to have an accountability partner or what I call an affinity group. So a group of white people that you can work through that book together because how harmful would it be if you had to hear all their terrible racist stories about things they've done? I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. Yeah. You know, that's something they can work through with other white people. So I want them to help each other. I want them to be able to grow together, help each other, hold each other accountable, you know, do the work together, mm-hmm. you know, because I am the author, I definitely will be, you know, doing workshops in the future with the book that I'll be, you know, be teaching people, but I don't, ex- I don't want them to expect black women to go in there into this labor with them and to actually be so harmed by the awfulness that's going to come out. Like, I don't think that's our job. Okay, sounds great. I do want to ask you, do you know um, a lady, Nijama Smalls? She wrote the book, The Emotional Wounds of a Black Woman. It sounds familiar. This is, I'm going to put you in touch with her because she's also writing a great book and it's um, making waves at the moment because it really helps I said to her, she should just scratch out the black and you can give that to all women on the planet. Um, right. But obviously you wanted to do it a bit more directly at our family. Um, so you right. de- I'm going to put you in touch with her because uh, she's amazing. Okay. I have her on my show every now and again. Yeah, but um, okay. it's, it's been great having you on. Yes, it's great being here. Thank I'm going to have to get you back on again. Because... Yes, when I'm closer, when I know when my book's going to be released, I would love to come back and kind of talk about that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm going to keep me in the loop. Let me know. I will. I will. And you've been a great inspiration to our people, our podcast. Thank you. Everything. I was happy. <laughs> really grateful to have you on. Then, um, you music. take care. Yes. I will see you 
We'll talk. On we'll the talk. Twitter. On the Twitter. Yes. Yes. I'm going to be following you every word, hanging on every word. Yes. Yes. Give them one. <laughs> All right, then. Good night. And I'll see. Well, good afternoon in your case. Afternoon. Yes. <laughs> and I'll, I'll, we'll talk. We'll catch up. Sounds good. Thanks. All right. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye. <laughs>